All right, everyone. Welcome in to the Buttered Popcorn Podcast. I forget what episode we're on. It's hard to keep track. Nice. Alongside me again, my good friend Alec Arsenal that we've all met last week. Yeah. A lot of people were not a fan of him on TikTok. I had, I had fun in the comments. Dude, so many people were mad about me speaking the <laughs> truth about Boba Fett. I uh, had a long paragraph that still was not enough. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, and everyone's argument was like, oh, read the comics, read the books. Like, I'm willing to go out on a bet or on a limb and say that 85% of Star Wars fans have never read a book or a comic. I can't say I ever have, but I don't know. Just the basis off of Star Wars fans. We all hate each other, but we all love each other at the same time. Oh, yeah. And it's so funny, too, because people don't realize that we'll post the more outlandish stuff we say or just controversial stuff we say because people will comment and it pushes our content out more. I'm just a dick. But yeah, dude, I think I've only read like (laughs) one or two comics of Star Wars ever. But that's why we're not a book and comic podcast. We're a movie and TV show podcast. A little bit of video game after last week. If I was ever a book content creator, shoot me. Yeah, Respect to the people that do, but I was going to say... That's why you get to find your niche, you know? There's always a crowd for everything. Anyway, getting into this week's episode, we are talking the movie Prisoners. And last week, you know, kind of referring back, we uh, brought up how Jack Black was in an episode of The Mandalorian and how we only see Jack Black as Jack Black. For some Mm -hmm. reason, for me, I've always had that issue with Hugh Jackman as well. But this role, I didn't see him as Hugh Jackman. I saw him as Keller. Yeah. And just this fearful father figure. Yeah, no, that was definitely a change of a change of pace that I've always grown up to. Well yeah, and I didn't even know anything about this movie going into it. Like I so I think everyone who has been a consistent listener knows Jake Gyllenhaal is my personal favorite actor. So I just saw he was on the like poster and I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Not knowing at all what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I think I was just bored when I scrolling through movies and I saw the title. And I was like, hmm. I saw the cast. I was like, hmm. Yeah, dude, Viola Davis is like people talk about her, but I feel like when people talk about some of the greatest actors working right now, no one brings her up. The thing is, too, though, like, they had these great names in the movie, but they all complement each other very well. It wasn't strictly this person was a sub, like, main yeah. character. It was, it was pretty, like, liquid. Well, yeah, and you and I both, you know, love Hall, but where's I going with this? Uh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You and I have both watched this. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> you and I have both uh, said we have seen this movie multiple times. We both watched it one more time prior to this episode in preparation. 
and like honestly it's kind of hard to pick out like who the main character is yeah i mean like credited it's jake gyllenhaal mm-hmm. but really there's a strong argument that it's keller there's a strong argument that it's alex smith played by paul dano yeah i, I don't know the best way i can describe it is they put like kind of funny in a book you know how like they have certain chapters where they talk more of a different yeah. character's perspective you get that in this movie a lot oh yeah but it's not say. like it's not stretched out it's like boom 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 but it all flow together it's i don't yeah. know it's weird to describe it it's very denis Villeneuve in that yeah. way like it's not like a tarantino for like inglorious bastards or pulp fiction where you get like five 30-minute chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, though, I just brought up Paul Dano. When is he going to get a lead fucking role? <laughs> this man has been in some of the greatest movies of the last decade. With Prisoners, There Will Be Blood, Robert Pattinson's The Batman, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. I get that wasn't in the last decade, but still, he bodies every role. Some, I don't know, some actors are just better as the shadowy underdog. Like the side character? I mean, the best side actor of all time is J.K. Simmons. You can't convince me otherwise. A movie we have talked about time and time again on this podcast. Not you and I, but my other co-host, Elliot Whiplash. J.K. Simmons is unreal in that role. That's why I can point out I'm getting rid of my touching my face mannerism because I noticed that last fucking podcast. <laughs> I was like, let's see how many times I touch my face. Dude, it's so funny. I was cleaning up the bar. I, I'm a bartender, for those who don't know, uh, closing it down the other night. And while I was closing it, I had my podcast playing. And my boss was like, are you listening to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, look, man, it's like, you know, sports, like, you know, it's like watching film, you know, you listen to see what you can do better, how to talk smoother, you know, flowing conversations, you know, what talking points I feel like worked and what didn't. And he goes, that's fucking weird. And I was like, well, we just hit enough followers to be able to make money off this podcast. So, hmm. yeah. I And also our Star Wars podcast is... It looks like it's on its way to be my second highest listened. <laughs> I'll take full fucking credit on that one. Oh, yeah. We're only like, I think, five plays away from it reaching the number two spot. Which is funny, though, because our most listened to is our first episode, which is like got to be our worst episode. But I mean, you know, that's kind of expected. It's a brand new thing. You're figuring everything out. We even talk about figuring it out in that episode. Makes sense. It was funny. I was actually at work and I was playing because I didn't know you could watch podcasts on Spotify. Yeah, it, not every uh, podcast does it, but Rogan was kind of the one who kickstarted it. Um, when Elon Musk went on the Joe Rogan show mm-hmm. and he smoked weed, that video went so viral that uh... Spotify decided to uh buy out this website called anchor which is what i use and a lot of other podcasts do and through that you can upload video podcasts gotcha okay yeah 
I think the only one that you can't do it now on is Google and Apple Podcasts. Makes sense. But you know, sitting at work and my supervisor, sometimes supervisor, walks by and he was like, was that you on Spotify? I was like, yeah. um, I was kind of like a bullshit guest in my buddy's podcast. And No, he was just talking mad shit to me and it was fantastic. I loved it, but Hey, tell him to go rate us five stars. No, I already told him what the whole podcast was about. And he yeah. seemed interested, but I already know his ADHD has forgot. Yeah, dude, it was funny. I stayed at work like an extra 45 minutes last night because I was closing down a different bar because there was a whole event going on. So this bar mm-hmm. was actually closed, but there's people just down there like bullshitting. And one of my favorite members down there because I work at a country club him and I got into talking about movies and I probably ended up sticking around another 45 minutes just him and I bullshitting and I like told him about the podcast so he's following and hopefully listening to this episode <laughs> shout out to you Mr. Chase all right anyway let's get back to the movie release date 2013 uh September 20th three days before my birthday <laughs> uh director Denis Villanueva I always pronounce his name wrong and i hope i got it right that time (laughs) but if you don't know who this director is he's one of the best up-and-coming directors he is credited for uh directing dune arrival blade runner 49 and then the sequel to dune coming out but he had the goat of cinematography working with him and i don't care what anyone says there's no other argument roger deakins is the best cinematographer in film history Arsenal, I'm assuming you don't know, like, all his work. So I put together just a little list for you. 1917, Blade Runner 2049, No Country for Old Men, Jarhead, How to Train Your Dragon, Rango, The Big Lebowski, Shawshank Redemption. That's pretty pretty good. And a ton of other movies. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah, he, he is the goat. You can't convince me otherwise. God, that's another movie I need to rewatch. Jarhead? Oh, that, but uh, <laughs> no country for old men. Oh, dude. One of the greatest movies of the 21st century. God, I can watch I... Jarhead 24 7, though. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I literally, I, this might be a hot take. I think in 20 years, people will talk about no country for old men like they talk about Goodfellas now. I think it's on par. Yeah, I mean, in 20 years, you never know what they're going to fucking talk about. Yeah. I, there's only one movie I'm wholeheartedly convinced uh, is a modern-day masterpiece that will go down as a classic, and that's Whiplash. Mm. I take that back Two movies, the other one being Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you had seen that one. That's good. Yeah. Very good. I mean, what was the first international film to win Oscar for Best Picture, I believe? So, uh, another name I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to try my best. Aaron Dazakowski's script was inspired by Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. Read that. Um, and then this movie was nominated for Best Cinematography at the Oscars. It did lose. 
And then who made the score for this movie was Johan Johansson. Um, other, <laughs> other movies he has done is Arrival and then the new Jennifer Lawrence movie that came out last year, Mother. That was pretty good if you haven't checked it out. But anyway, let's get into the movie. I think this movie has such a strong opening, which is the prayer. And then it just keeps panning away from the deer as it gets to like showing Hugh Jackman teaching his son how to hunt. Yeah. And then... Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, and then it just kicks right into like, you know, he shoots the deer, it goes down, they're taking it back. And then it really just sets Hugh Jackman's character up for the rest of the movie where he's like talking to his son about like the essentials for survival and like everything you need to be prepared in case of a bad situation. Like just kind of showing that Hugh Jackman's character Keller has this like apocalypse mindset. Yeah, he's definitely a doomsday pepper for sure. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the very beginning of the movie, like anybody that thinks of like thriller or suspenseful, they see the opening scene, they're going to come up with three different aspects of things. It's either, oh, it's going to be a family starting out, it's going to go right to something, or it's going to be a slow interval. This one, I was thinking, like, what the fuck's going to happen? Like, as soon as they started panning out, I was like, oh, okay. And then you're like, you sit there, you just wait, and then you're like, oh, okay, there we go. Yep. Yeah. Well, dude, and then, um, it's so funny too, like how you said he's a doomsday prepper though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why for me, it's just funny seeing what doomsday preppers prioritize their money for. Cause like their kid, like, you know, he's that average 15, 16 year old, like knows he's about to get his license. He wants a car. And he like tells his dad, he's like, you know, we, uh, I have half the money for a car. And he goes, if you're willing to give me the other half. And his dad was like, no, he's like, I'm barely getting enough carpentry work to make the mortgage. But then later on in the movie, we see his basement that's loaded up with concrete, all the canned food in the world, like guns, all this, like, you know, survival equipment that, you know, was thousands (laughs) of dollars. Like, yeah, he had gas masks. It was like, what, four gas masks? Like, I think, I mean, like. That's good for you. If the apocalypse comes, you're better off prepared than I am for my family. But, (laughs) you know, I'm also a realist. I don't think we're going to end doomsday anytime soon. Like, you know, he probably has the money for the car that his son wants, but he's just setting it aside for like an underground nuke bunker. 100%. Why he has all the concrete? (laughs) He's going to build it himself. I can see it. DIY. But yeah, so with like, it starts off on Thanksgiving Day, and we see Keller's family walking over to uh, Viola Davis's family house. I always forget her husband's name, like the actual actor. Oh, it's fucking. I just talked about this too. Here, I got it. First Iron Man. Yeah, he played Rhodey. Yeah. It's uh, Terrence Howard. That's what it was. That yeah. Game. Yeah. Terrence Howard, uh, go over to their family's place. You see, they have two kids, almost identical ages to Keller's family. Um, so, you know, the girls or the little girls, they go outside to play and they make, you know, the older sister and brother go out to make sure they're safe. 
well, then we lead into them playing on this RV and like banging on it. And then all of a sudden you realize someone is inside. And so they like just run away. And then you don't really see anything like happen. Like, you know, the older brother's just like, I'm not trying to get yelled at by a stranger today. Let's move. <laughs> and then it shows like Keller and then Franklin just, you know, sitting around enjoying some conversation on Thanksgiving, playing the trumpet very poorly. <laughs> um, and then they're like, hey, best. where's your sisters? And they're like, we thought they were upstairs. And then they start running around all the houses, you know, looking. They're like, what about the RV? And about the RV, too, is like, obviously, as a viewer, you're going to be like, creepy RV. But like, when you're like really watching, you're like, this thing's fucking creepy looking. Oh, yeah. It's just out it's of all place. Beat up. Yeah. It's just, like, it looks like the one from Toy Story. I was expecting like a horror scene inside of it. So was I. Like, like especially when Detective Loki is going through it and then he sees a little bit of movement in the up cupboard. Like I thought that was gonna be like a jump out, like something like he was gonna throw something at him. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. It's one of the things like, this movie does so well though, is like, you know, building up like you don't know what's gonna happen around this corner. We'll get to that in a minute with another scene. I would say the highs and lows of the suspense it's like you're building and you're like something's gonna fucking happen and then just you're like cool i just got cock blocked do you know the name david fincher at all i know the name yeah so he's kind of notorious for making some of the most like questionable suspenseful type movies like he made seven in fight club are his probably two biggest along with many others along that genre Mm -hmm. uh gone girl was all david fincher it this movie, like I said, I didn't know anything about it. I thought I was watching a Fincher film. And he's kind of the one who's notorious for that type of movie. So when I found right. out it was Denis, I was like blown away. Because this might be the first Denis movie I had seen. I want to say it is too, but I don't pay attention to directors like you. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Um, well, you have the podcast. <laughs> no and then one of the other scenes too is like i said thanksgiving day and before we realize the girls are missing we go and we meet detective loki and he's alone at this chinese restaurant you know eating on thanksgiving day kind of showing like who he is but when it first pans to him i thought jake gyllenhaal was going to be the villain which i think is what they were trying to like yeah insinuate he looks like a bad guy yeah, absolutely. His, or he looks like he was like, a prisoner. Yeah. Well, and then the way he talks to the waitress, like he's like, oh, are you a owl? Are you a chicken? Are you a lion? And like, I don't know. It's just the way he speaks to her. It's like very like kind of un- unsettling. I got that was funny, to be honest. No, I mean, it was great. And he delivered that so well. Um, And then, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal didn't even audition for this movie because no. Denis directed Enemy, which came out the same year. Yep. And so Denis like told Gyllenhaal, he's like, hey, if you want this role, it's yours. Like, you know, you already impressed me enough with Enemy. I don't need to audition you. It's yours if you want it. God, imagine having that much power. <laughs> which Just is, your name alone. Which is funny because Enemy 
did show some great range from Gyllenhaal playing two different people. Mm-hmm. Well, the same person, but two different people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that move's a wild ride. <laughs> but yeah, so then we like get into the girls missing and it just shows um, one then, like we said, in the RV, we thought something was going to pop out and it's just Paul Dano. And that interrogation scene with Paul Dano, where Gyllenhaal is this close to his face, just talking to him, is it's not intense per se because of the like conversation they're having, but you can feel the uncomfortability of it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, how uncomfortable Paul Dano is. And this is where they kind of start to hint that Paul Dano might not be all there. Yeah, because I don't know, certain interactions between people, you pick up on social cues. And that whole like scene, you're like, there's something not right by him. He's yeah. reacting very oddly. But this is what I'm talking about with Paul Dano and not getting enough credit because the way he like does it, like you don't know if he's just stupid or if he's that crazy and can act that well and be that dumb. Mm-hmm. And the way this movie builds up that tension, though, of like with Paul Dano. And like the scene where he gets released and Keller grabs him and like slams him to the ground. And it was like, what did you do with my daughter? And Paul Dano makes the comedy goes, they didn't cry until I left them. Like it, like this whole movie, you are so set that Paul Dano is the villain. Mm-hmm. And I think that scene too, like, you know, now that I've watched it probably five times, I think he's actually telling the truth in that. Like they didn't cry till I left them but merely for the fact that the girls understood that he like cared for them and like he was like their friend. So when they knew that he was going away, they were crying because he was kind of their protector. Yeah. Which, you know, is so powerful. Um, what else do I got? <laughs> uh, honestly, this might be my favorite Hugh Jackman role, though, out of all of them. It's this one or... Uh, however... On that note, I have not seen a single X-Men film. Well, no, I wasn't even going to talk about X-Men. First up, that's a crime against humanity. I'm not saying that because they're fantastic films. For anyone yeah, yeah. asking me the fucking comments, I already know. It's, but it's, it's, it's a childhood comedy. One of those, like, you know, you should know. You know, see them. Right. Yeah, and especially with me who like hosts a movie podcast there's a ton of movies that i haven't actually mentioned that i definitely need to see and i shouldn't be hosting this time i've seen them but that's for a separate conversation oh i have a but, list i mean worry. i also have a list on letterboxd but uh i think i mean i have seen one x-men movie um with my mom in theaters when i was like eight i don't remember which one it was i don't remember anything about it like the only thing i remember about it is like one of the final scenes there's like this villain that like can make spikes come out of its body and they like hug someone and kill them that way mm-hmm. that's all i remember have you do you, you obviously have hbo right yeah it's my favorite not streaming sponsored. service not sponsored um, i wish have you ever seen uh, i'm gonna butcher this fucking name because i don't understand english reminisce reminiscence maybe okay well you look that up i was gonna say i go back and forth though if this is my favorite hugh jackman role if it's this or the prestige 
Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, because the pre- the Prestige was phenomenal. It's my highest rated Christopher Nolan film. Now, this might be way too early to predict, but I think Oppenheimer will take the number one spot. And it's so funny because Arsenal and I share a friend, Robbie, and he Robbie. yells at me all the time <laughs> for how how critical I am on Interstellar because he thinks it's the greatest thing to ever come out of the world. I've never finished that movie. <laughs> it's good. It's slow. But the attention to detail is phenomenal. It's one of the most scientifically accurate movies ever made. Like, I give the credit where credit is due. I just, there's just some things in it that I don't rate it as highly as everyone else. And he gets really upset because I call it mid-terstellar. Clever. All right, I'm going to show you the fucking name because I'm going to butcher this. Rem- reminiscence. Yep. reminiscence. Reminiscence. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Granted, it's not the best quality movie because the ratings blew it out of the fucking water. But I really like Hugh Jackman in that role because it reminded me a lot of this role. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Uh, down this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, obviously... I need to stop referring to him as Paul Dano. What's his name in the movie? Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Unless you get it before I do. Have we watched this movie how many times? He plays Alex Jones. <laughs> I even said that in the beginning of the podcast, like the first five minutes in. It's mm-hmm. He plays Alex Jones. So, uh, we see Alex Jones get released, obviously. Keller gets put in handcuffs, but then for some reason the police captain or chief tells him he's like you know we're not going to charge you i'm a father myself like you know we just have to you know do our due diligence he was like just stay away from alex and then he was like and then he was like i told you what he said and he was like tell detective loki jake gyllenhaal is standing right there obviously and he goes he said they didn't cry until i left them he you see the tension building right here between the two just from you know how keller doesn't trust detective loki even in the slightest especially after he like tried to make him promise that he won't let alex jones leave the holding Mm -hmm. cell even though that's illegal (laughs) and like i don't i don't think anyone's blaming keller's character because you know no one knows how they're gonna act if like their child gets abducted and like you just want to blame the first person that goes into custody Mm i you know which I think Loki, you know, understands. And he's like trying his hardest to like just keep him calm the whole time. But he's like, I'll go question him by myself. <laughs> you know, and still so convincing that like he doesn't know what's going on. Well, then it flashes forward to Hugh Jackman Keller sitting outside of Alex Jones' house as he's walking a dog. And this is where even more you think that Alex is the criminal. Because he picks a dog up by its neck and is just like holding it while this dog is obviously in pain and struggling. And then he just puts it down and goes for a walk like it's any normal night. But then starts singing the song, you know, Jingle Bells, Batman Swells, Robin Laid an Egg. And that's when it sets Keller over the edge because it's the same song his daughters were singing right before they got abducted. And I remember like, you know, watching it for the first time and I was like, oh, that's the same song. He's got to be the guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i was like 
But in my head, though, I was like, I like, I hope he wasn't because I don't. Movies like this can be very good if done properly, like this one was. But at the same time, like if you figure out who the villain is that early on, it's not that good of a movie. I think it it also played on the fact that it's never the first suspect. That old saying, yeah, like, it's never the first person you expect, which is a fucking lie. Yeah, but it plays on that, like, oh, on that line hard. where like you're like it has to be him, but then you're like it can't be. It's the first fucking person. Yeah, and every little thing you're like, mm. yeah, it just keeps giving you more and more details, feeding you more and more. But again, I think this goes back to what I just said about how they didn't cry. So I left them because he was more of a friend to them or like an older brother figure to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what it was. I, so think like, they knew, I think they knew that he wasn't all the way there. So like. Well, the police force definitely did. I don't think oh, the yeah. little girls would have known just because I think they're only like, what, seven ish in this. I don't know. I have such a hard time telling age range for kids. Um, it goes from baby to middle school for me. <laughs> Good day. Uh, yeah, that, like I have a kid I refer to as a nephew and a goddaughter, and like I know their ages, but I don't know where they're at, like brain development wise. It's wild time. <laughs> the only god family I have is Robbie's dog. I fucking love Louie. <laughs> um, and honestly, one of Oh, anyway, so Hugh Jackman hears him singing the song. Keller hears him singing the song. And so he just goes and grabs him and takes him to his dad's old apartment building that's been like, you know, shut down for years because it needs so many renovations. And he's just not willing to put in the work because he says it's so expensive, really, because he's planning for doomsday. We're just going to keep circling back to that, I think. Anyway, when I first when I first heard that, though, I was thinking like. Maybe they'll dive more into the whole dad situation. Maybe he has daddy issues. But nope, just lazy. Can you imagine <laughs> him like tormenting Paul Dana with the hammer and he's just like, call me daddy. I'm sure that would great do great in the reviews. No, because all the reviews would be from simps like me, be like, I'll call you daddy. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so he takes him to his dad's old apartment building. Um, we'll take a smoke break. Let's go. I wish you would tell me how long it's been recording. Next one I do, I'll do a stopwatch. Well, there's a way to turn on, and I thought I did it, but it doesn't. Oh, well. I think my overall favorite scene, though, is when Jake Hall shows up at Keller's house. All-time favorite scene. Which part? They asked, they're like, because they asked him, they're like, because they know after like a certain amount of hours, like it's bleak, and he, he's honest. He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're saying when he sees, like, kind of all his preparation and shit. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's my favorite scene. Okay. (laughs) 
So anyway, we see Keller take him to his dad's old apartment place. And then he goes and he grabs Franklin. And he's like, where are we going? He's like, bring a change of clothes. I'll let you know when we get there. And Franklin sees it. And you can tell Franklin is the morally right one where he's like, this isn't right. Like, you know, we need to take him to the police. If he said what he said, you know, if he's singing that song, like that's evidence, like bring it in. But, you know, Keller is on this whole aspect, like, no, he's not going to talk to the cops. They already released him. They're going to fail us again. We got to get this out of him. And he's and again, Franklin still stand off. He's like, no, like this isn't right. He's like, do you want your fucking daughter back or what? Like, yeah, no. Keller is blinded by rage at this point. He's not oh, listening yeah. to anybody except himself. Yeah, and then, um, so then it pans away. You know, we'll get back to that in a bit. Again, back to this whole thing about you know we um don't know what's around the next corner this entire movie uh loki goes to around to like talk to different sex vendors within 10 mile radius well, he shows up to a priest's house um and he sees him on the floor so he like busts in the door realizes he's just so drunk there's bottles laying around all of them like three-fourths of the way finished but not fully finished some on their sides. So you just see that this priest is like just a true drunk, like low life. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, Loki's like, care if I take a look around, father? Cool. And just goes. And then you see him walking. And it's not like a subtle detail, obviously, because the camera's right on it. But it is a nice add on by the set designers where you see the dust around the fridge where it had been moved. Mm hmm which Loki picks up on immediately, so he moves it, and there's just this hole in the wall. And that scene, I was like, something bad's going to happen. Yep. I was so stressed. And he like, and there's no stairs, so he used to jump down there. So he jumps down, just his flashlight going around, looking, and then, like, it's just, like, nun dolls or, like, these creepy ceramic dolls you see. And, like, fuck that noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he, like, keeps looking around. There's just a, like guy who's been dead for a very obviously long time like he's just bones at this point tied to a chair still yeah you can just see loki's reaction too to seeing it like that smell must have been overwhelming yeah and i want to know this is something i should have researched if they did something to make it smell bad to get a genuine reaction or if they just relied on jill and hall's you know actual acting because knowing him i think he just did the acting well probably because he's a very good actor but i don't know if you knew this or if you listen to my jarhead episode um there remember the scene where he's like burning the toilet basically Mm -hmm. yeah in that they put dog feces in it to get a genuine reaction out of jill and all so and Again, that's Roger Deakins who did cinematography. I don't know. Maybe he like brought it up how he's worked with Jalen Hall before. And he's like, yo, guys, put some dog shit down there. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. But (laughs) yeah, he's obviously a much more established actor since Jarhead. Um, But then, you know, it immediately just skips to showing him. He woke up the priest and he's holding his head down the pit of his basement. He's like, who's your buddy down there? Priest is like, I don't know. He goes, I was raised in a group home, Father. It wouldn't bother me at all hurting someone like you. 
<laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> Again, <clears throat> like we don't know anything about Loki's past, but throughout the entire movie, it just gives us hints. And I think at one point they do mention like he was in the foster system or whatever. Mm-hmm. But either way, like, you know, very minimal details, but we see it all kind of come together throughout this entire movie. I don't remember either if they brought it up or not, but they pretty sure they tell you how good of detective he actually is. He he's never not solved a case. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the first scene where he um <clears throat> meets Keller and his wife, uh, Grace. It's the first scene, and Grace makes the comment. She's like, is it true you've never not figured out a case? And he was like, Yeah, man, that's true. Um, but back to the whole pre-scene. It's like the first time in the movie, though, or at least that I picked up on, and I believe it is the first, where you see the first symbol of the maze. Because the dead guy mm-hmm. in the basement's wearing the necklace of that maze. Yep. Uh, which, you know, at the time you're like, oh, first watch through, you're like, this doesn't mean anything. But um, and that's you know, I just brought her up, Grace, played by Maria Bello. She needs to be talked about more when this movie is discussed. Yeah. Because, you know, anyone can act angry. I feel like like I could get angry and just yell, and people could call it good acting. What's harder, I believe, is emotional scenes. And this entire movie, she's essentially just crying and like taking pills and like won't get out of bed. But outside of talking to Detective Loki there in the beginning and then, you know, at the very end. Um, but every time she's on camera, like it's very impactful. Yeah, she's breaking down physically and emotionally. Yeah. <clears throat> and like you see and... that wearing on her and her kid and like and Keller is just too engulfed by rage, as you said, to even give a fuck about her at this moment. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, <clears throat> he's still he's still around, but he's you already not. know that physically he's around. Yeah. <clears throat> but mentally he's being the worst husband you could be in that scenario. Yeah, no, like, I understand. Strictly... I understand. Find your daughter, you know. Like, that's your role. That's all you're focused on. But also, like, take some time out and, like, take care of your wife. Because you don't know what she could do, especially with the amount. I'm going to take it to a dark place. But with the amount of pill bottle she has on her nightstand, how she won't get out of bed. She's not eating. She is literally killing herself. Mm-hmm. So, that's like, what, watch your wife. said that, too. He was like, let me do this. Go home. Like, because he knows what this does. He knew yeah. exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. I think we're going to head into our intermission. All right. Starting off our intermission last weekend uh, for box office. Uh, that would be May 5th through the 7th. Uh, number one spot was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, obviously pulling in 118.4 million domestically. That movie's very good, by the way. I won't say much on it. I won't spoil it um, until maybe you see it or my co-host Elliot rejoins us and we'll have a discussion on it. But bring tissues if you go see it. Uh, It's also become my fourth highest rated Marvel movie and it's the best of the three Guardians. I haven't seen this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm not going to spoil anything right now. 
Number two, still holding strong, is the Super Mario Bros. movie with 18.6 million. Really? Yeah, that movie is doing so well, but it's also getting a lot of hate from like yeah, Hollywood uh, reporters and stuff because there's no like LGBT representation in the movie. But I don't think the, uh, you know, producers are going to care with pulling in 18.6 million in what, their fourth weekend? Also, uh, video game. And then we take a serious drop off. Uh, number three with Evil Dead Rises at 5.9 million. I wanted to see that. I don't. I'm good. I don't do horror. <laughs> I've seen, like, dude, my horror knowledge is garbage. I already told my mom, like, I'm probably going to pull her on for, like, a Halloween episode mm. to talk about horror movies because her horror movie knowledge is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the two most notable ones I've seen is 1968, I think, or it's 1960 uh, Psycho. And then The Shining. Uh, I saw The Nun against my will. I saw The Exorcist against my will. <laughs> um, and then in number four, we have Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, with 3.2 million, which actually got more than I thought it would in the box office. I didn't think it would capture that number four spot. I didn't even hear about that one. Uh, if I'm correct, I think it's Rachel McAdams in it. I might watch it then. <laughs> Uh, this week in movie news Hillian Murphy says that Oppenheimer is the best script he has ever read I dude I can't even begin to tell you how excited for that movie yeah, I am that's gonna be that's gonna be a good movie I've only seen one trailer and it was the first trailer that didn't have any lines in it that um, they first showed it before the new Avatar movie uh, mm-hmm. where, and I'm not I'm trying to avoid all like trailers for it like i know a new three minute trailer just dropped i'm just trying to avoid it i want to go into that movie so blind i'm doing the same thing with into the spider-verse because i think the first into the spider-verse is the greatest comic book movie of all time i think it's better than infinity war i think it's better than the dark knight a lot of people aren't going to like that take but i genuinely think it is the greatest well, apparently Star Wars makes great comics, too. <laughs> oh, shout out to all the haters on TikTok. Especially mine. <laughs> um, a Freaky Friday sequel is in the works. Uh, set to come out fall of next year, but they are bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan. It just... I don't know. I don't know what the 2020s are so far because a lot of it is great original movies. You know, we've gotten everything mm-hmm. ever all at once. We're getting Oppenheimer. We're, I'm, we're, I'm missing some, obviously, but that's beside the point. But then it seems like a lot of them, like people don't have original ideas. So they're just like, ah, sequel to this one. Or just revamping it. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I don't need a Freaky Friday sequel. Like, what are we trying to accomplish with this? And then, I mean, one of the sequels, though, I am happy we got, because I think it is better than the original, is Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, the sequel nobody asked for. (laughs) Yeah, again, like, back to my point. Like, we don't need a sequel. But, I mean, that one was fantastic. And that one I understand a little bit, too. I mean, 
yeah, it's kind of a cop-out answer, but like military movies, you know, people stay in for how long. You can make movies about how their career has advanced and mm. stuff, which they did, but also brought in new lovable characters. I hope they don't do a third. I heard rumors of it. But, you know, whatever. I'll probably still see Freaky Friday, the sequel. I guarantee it's like the same movie. But... Haven't you heard about the new uh, Fast and Furious thing that they're doing? What do you mean? I'm pretty sure I don't know what the number, but they pay you a certain amount to watch all 10 of them. Oh, yeah. I would do it. Dude, here's the thing with Fast and Furious. I think I I rated number nine. like I think I gave it like a 2.9 out of 10. The movie's atrocious. I still enjoy the Fast and Furious franchise. Like, I, and I understand completely. I don't know why I like them. I'm not even a car guy, but that's the that's the thing that gets me is it used to be a car movie. Yeah, I mean that's when I heard the whole thing of quarter mile, ten second car customization. Because that's when Need for Speed came out. Yeah. Oh, they kind of asked but for now, better time, you know. And now it's they took a car to space. Like. Like uh, what? That's in, a different tangent. In, I'm not going to it. In Fast X, are you going to drift a car around Saturn's rings or something? Family. Yeah, and like they're just bringing in all these big name actors, like John Cena, Jason Momoa, Brie Larson are all in this one, and somehow all three of them have always been in the picture. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. No, I understand they're atrocious, like a lot for a lot of them, like Hobbs and Shaw is my lowest rated and i think i gave that like a 2.4 out of 10 but that one was just for money oh no yeah. reason no reason well, dude, to make that and then jason momoa or not jason momoa jesus jason statham and the rock both in their contracts like if any movie wants to sign them they have it in their contract they cannot lose a fight at most they will draw This may be a hot take. Upon yourself, will be. The Rock ruins franchises. Oh yeah, I don't think it's a hot take. He's he, also he ruins his franchises every time. I also think he's the worst actor to come out of the WWE. Granted, he has good movies, but his ego needs to be fucking checked. He's ruined great franchises for his role well dude he brendan fraser is like the rock is kind of the reason brendan fraser went down a rabbit hole that we didn't see him for 15 years like like i get it was also the sexual assault on brendan fraser which is horrible and i'm so happy he's back and he's finally seeing the love that every fan has for him it's unbelievable but also you know he kind of taught the rock or like took the rock under his wing and like showed him, you know, how to get his foot into Hollywood. And, and then he just kind of yeah. 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 And then just kind of threw Brendan Fraser out the window. Like I'm gonna say this movie, it got a lot of hate. G.I. Joe. You have Channing Tatum. And his, I'm gonna say his prime, because he was like one of the 
most secured actors at that point. You have them in it, it's going to be a good movie. Not rating-wise, but it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm he happy you made his, that clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he plays... I'm not even a G.I. Joe nerd, but you have Duke, one of the dudes that you're like, essentially Captain America in that franchise. Yeah. And then the next movie, you kill him for The Rock to take over. It's just like... Yeah, like, honestly, my favorite Rock movie is probably the new Jumanji. See, mine's that, Gridiron Gang. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's a good movie. He wasn't big then. He wasn't yeah. a big actor. But, I mean, well, for me, though, with Jumanji, like, it's not, like, a great movie by any means, but there's a lot of enjoyment, I find, out of that movie. And one of the best notes to it, too, is they didn't try and recreate Jumanji. Like, they paid homage to the original, you know, and to Robin Williams. So. I, I have some hate on that movie, to be honest. Which I don't, you know, disagree with. I understand critically; it's not great. It, I don't. Oh, it. It's one of those movies, like you know, like you know, it's not good, but for some reason you love it. <laughs> the original is still my hometown, so that's that's why I'm yeah. like, oh, no. I understand. That's yeah, kind of cool, like, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on with movie news after shitting on the rock for a five minute <laughs> interval. <laughs> I don't mind it. Eva Longoria is making her directorial debut with a movie about Cheetos called Flamin' Hot. It was, I want to give it hate, but it's it honestly does sound like it's going to be pretty good. It's a true story. It's going to show the story of, I, I hope I pronounce his name right, Richard Montanez, a Mexican-American who says he went from being the janitor at Frito-Lay to inventing the Flamin' Hot. Okay, I remember reading about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This actually seems pretty good. So, I mean, I'm sure I'll see it. Flaming Hots are like my go-to snack. <laughs> um, Beetlejuice 2 finally has a you know release date. It's set for fall of 2024. Um, it will have the original cast plus Jenna Ortega. Huh. And I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember a whole lot about Beetlejuice <laughs> That is my childhood. Dude, I don't think I've seen the movie oh since I was like six. God. I need to rewatch it, which I'll probably get around to this fall. But, and it's funny because I you know, love that movie. Yeah, the cast is phenomenal. I remember the movie being great, and all, all I hear is good things about that movie. You could almost call it a cult classic. 100%. <laughs> uh, Nicolas Cage and Bill Skarsgård. Um, will be the leads in a sequel for Lord of War. No shit. Ironic timing of that since he just got released out of prison. Well, yeah, his story continues. Do you know who Bill Skarsgård is? Yeah. Okay. Maybe for those who don't, for, trade. for those who don't, he's most probably known for playing Pennywise in the movie It. No. Um, Robert De Niro is welcoming his seventh child at the age of 79. That poor kid. <laughs> okay. And then I've been very vocal about this on this podcast. I don't give a fuck that they cast Halle Bailey to play Ariel, in the new little mermaid. doesn't bother me at all. 
I don't care the skin color of a fictional character. I don't care that they're, you know, all that. Doesn't matter. What I've always preached is that I want a good Disney live action. Because they've all been bad. Or just the exact same story. Um, Well, do you remember from the animated Little Mermaid, the character Scuttle? Mm -hmm. It was the the seagull? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, a new trailer just came out, or new clip. I can't remember which one it is. Scuttle is literally at the ocean floor having a conversation with Ariel. A seagull is at the ocean floor having a conversation with a mermaid. I get it's fictional, but come on. Seagull has better ones than I do. Honestly. Yeah, so that's it for movie news, but that was just my little complaint there at the end. I complained about the rock, you complained about a seagull. Same thing. Exactly. All right. We have ourselves a little movie trivia for Mr. Arsenal here. <laughs> Great. I'm going to give you a list, or not a list, I'll go one by one. But I'm yeah. going to give you real names of actors, and you're going to have to do your best to guess who it is. Okay. First up, we have Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanota. Angelina Jolie? Lady Gaga. I feel like I should have known that. <laughs> you might get this one. Okay. Natalie Hirschlag. I've heard this name. I could not. Okay, is the first name still part of the name? First name is still the same. Is it Natalie Portman? It is. Nice. Next up, we have Eric Marlin Bishop. This one has nothing to do with the actor name. Of course they doesn't. Because why not? Uh, can I have a hint? Mm. I'm going to give you a hint that will semi-narrow it down, but also not narrow it down. He is kind in... Kind of a point of a hint, but Okay. <laughs> He is in what could be argued as Tarantino's best movie. And he is the lead. Eric Marlon Bishop is his real name. I know this is wrong. Brad Pitt? No. Yeah. Do you want another guess or you want me to tell you? No, you can can just tell me. I'm not going to get it. Jamie Foxx. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course it is. Because I, I think there's a strong argument that Django is Tarantino's best. Yeah, I personally I, don't think it is. but That's what I was thinking. I was thinking personally because I'm like, and Glorious Bastards is your go-to Tarantino. Yeah, and I was right. like, I can see Brad Pitt pulling some shit like that. <sighs> uh, All right. Mark Sinclair.
No, I didn't. Vin Diesel. He made a good choice on that. This one threw me for a loop. No, great. Carlos Erwin Estevez. Oh, uh... How did you recognize that name? Because one of the shows I used to watch made that joke. They made an Estevez joke. Uh, I know it's not Pedro Pascal because his name's fucking long and you're going to butcher that one. This is going to be something I might get hate for, but I did not know that this actor was of Latin descent or Latino descent. Mm hmm. It's Charlie Sheen's brother, isn't it? Brother? Yeah, half brother. No, it's Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Damn it. I was, I had it. Oh my God. All right, we got two more for you. His name. Got two more for you. That was two more. God damn. Okay. Michael John Douglas. That's not Michael Douglas. Correct. This guy actually changed his name, his last name to avoid being confused with fellow actor Michael Douglas. Okay, so it's still Michael Blank. Yes. We have talked about one of his movies on this episode. Don't want to Don't want a recording at the moment. I know you're going to say it and I'm going to be pissed. Michael Keaton. Mm -hmm. I'm still more pissed about the Charlie Sheen one. And the last one. Nicholas Kim Coppola. I think I've had, heard this before. We've also talked about this guy on this podcast. Fuck me. Like the one we're recording at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for the viewers, I am not a movie buff like you. you don't come for me on these. <laughs> I'm just happy I got Dude, I wouldn't one. even get these. We could do the I same segment. We could do the same segment next week, and you ask me all the names I just read off to you, and I probably won't get them, but maybe one. All right, what's the last one? That one is Nicolas Cage. What? I need to trust myself more. It was that Brad Pitt one that just messed with me. I was like, (laughs) Brad Pitt's in the head. I'd give Brad Pitt head. Anyway, um, our final segment of our intermission is going to be reading some fun comments from our TikTok. Oh, yay. I love this. 
so one one from one of my marvel clips bro doesn't know what cgi is people only say that because it makes them sound smart laughing my ass off what a joke this is one from elliot's take on multiverse of madness first off she gets the name wrong scarlet witch in the multiverse of madness is a fantastic movie and you're a typical incel incel wow oh dude she called elliot an incel like six times that video (laughs) uh (laughs) back to our uh boba fett video where everyone was so pleased with my opinions on boba fett not everyone should make a podcast (laughs) so bad (laughs) average race skywalker fans We were shitting on our character, too. I know. <laughs> like, go listen to the whole episode, and you'll hear that we aren't Ray Skywalker fans, but, you know. We were giving that's... the actress shit, but we are giving the character. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing, though. <laughs> Ray Skywalker fans, though, is the biggest insult in the Star Wars franchise. <laughs> Which has to suck for Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Uh, and then finally... Clearly done no research. I'm not even a Star Wars nerd, but understand there's more than Empire that he appears in. No. That's crazy. It's almost like in that same clip, we talk about the Book of Boba Fett and Return of the Jedi. (laughs) I love Star Wars fans. And then my paragraph comment. <laughs> oh, I went in on that. I was ready. I thought you were going to get an argument in the comments. Oh, man, I'm out of coffee. Not going to lie, I was trying. I was trying. I was hanging out with somebody and I got a TikTok notification. I was like, oh, it's begun. And then I was like, no, someone just liked the video. I was like, God damn it. All right, and that concludes our intermission. All right, back into prisoners. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I guess that's fair because I've made some jokes like that this episode. Yeah, for sure. Prisoners. <laughs> Uh, so we get into what might be the most powerful scene in the movie and that's when he first when Keller's character is first questioning Alex Jones when he's locked up in the bathroom with the hammer that scene was so well done but apparently I forget what it was uh, so I might you know mess this up a little bit but originally after he like breaks the sink and then puts the hammer into the wall that was originally not in the script but the Irvin Denis wasn't liking how the scene was coming out and so he asked like Paul Dano he's like are you going to be comfortable if Hugh Jackman you know puts the hammer into the wall right next to your head and this just proves how good of an actor Paul Dano is because in this like you know, he's 
you know, just like flinching every time he hits the sink and like, you know, looks petrified, understandably so. But then when Keller goes to put the hammer into the wall, Paul Dano doesn't move, doesn't flinch at all as a hammer is coming at his head until it hits the wall. And then he just drops down in pure terror crying. Like, yeah. And that's what you really see is like, is he going to kill him? Yeah. I like, I thought he was going to hit him in the head or something. I, and like, like give credit to Paul Dana because you know, how many actors could really see a hammer coming full swing at their head and not move a muscle. And then it just shows how impactful Hugh Jackman is when he's like breaking the sink, just screaming. You can see him internally like breaking down because he's getting no information after all this time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and then I forget how long after, but we move into the scene where they're having like, you know, the entire community gathering around. And then you see Detective Loki looking into the crowd and one guy keeps trying to avoid eye contact with Loki and then Loki starts walking towards him and he takes off running. Well, finally, he figures out who it is and tracks him down. It's Bob Taylor, played by David. I always mispronounce his name. It's Dasmolchian. Dasmolchian. Mm-hmm. Un- another very underrated like side actor. You know, he's in the Dark Knight, right? Or Dark Knight as the schizophrenic. That Harvey Dent's he, questioning. He always plays a mentally incapable person. Yeah, I mean, he's in Dune, Blade Runner 2049, The Suicide Squad, both Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, we see Detective Loki, though, find his house, you know, question him a little, and it's just... It's one of those scenes where Detective Loki's so arrogant in the scene... Where, you know, you see him, you know, smiling, laughing along with him, but he just knows something is wrong because he's like, why'd you run from me? And then Bob's like, I've never seen you before in my life. And then he's like, oh, okay. He's like, you shop at this store? And he goes, yeah, he goes, I can't afford suits, you know, from nice stores. I for- he he says both stores by name. I just can't remember what they are at this moment. Mm-hmm. And then Loki's like, oh, yeah, he goes kids suits because you were buying kids clothes and then you see his entire character just change Mm -hmm. both bob and loki well and then you know he tries to kick loki out of his house and loki pushes his way in you know detains him leaves him on the ground opens a door and sees just a ton of totes and like boxes and like knows he's gonna have to go through them and my first time watching I thought this movie was going to go real, real dark. And I thought it was going to be like parts of the kid, like dismembered, mm-hmm. like arms gone or something. Uh, and then, no, no, it's it's snakes. It's snakes. Which A is lot even, of snakes. Yeah. And, he, and you see it on Loki's face where he's just like, oh, come on. <laughs> Why is it going to be snakes? All right, Indiana Jones. I'm glad you picked that up. Yeah, dude. Fifth one comes out. Dial Destiny. Um. Well, anyway, uh, but then he does find the totes of kids' clothes. And 
you know, so you're like, oh God, like, has this guy been like killing kids for a long time? Blah, blah, blah. Like, has he been taking them? How did he get these clothes? You don't really get answers. And then you go into what is hands down the most intense interrogation scene in the entire movie of Loki just like grabbing him and screaming him, you know, slamming him against the table. Other cops have to rush in to get Loki off of him because you just see Loki knowing that 48 hour window is running thin. Um, And then, you know, obviously he steals one of the B cops guns and kills himself right there in the interrogation room. So there goes yet another lead. Mm -hmm. Now, what we didn't even talk about before this was what Arsenal brought up in between our intermission where him and I discussed how we're going to go through was when Keller, instead of going with the hammer torture, he builds up just a fortress in a shower and then drills it shut. So Alex Jones, yeah, Alex Jones can't get out and yeah, that's a rough scene because he just, you know, is torturing him. Basically, it's like almost waterboarding, but not at the same time. But like just running on water when Alex doesn't know it's coming. It's, you know, extremely hot or extremely cold. And it's pure, <clears throat> pure darkness. Yeah. Like, there's no light source or anything. I'm, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the initial point that I was just like, okay, so he's just going to walk in the dark. Cool. And then I heard, yeah, the water here is shot. So it's either super hot or super cold. I was like, that's torture. Holy shit. I was going to say, if I'm in his shoes, you can hit me all you want. Get me the fuck out of a steaming hot shower. Yeah. Or an ice cold shower. I'm fine with cold showers. I take those regularly. Uh-oh. Okay, Mr. New Hampshire, I love the cold. Dude, I've lived in the South way too long. I'm a bitch to the cold now. Oh, you're Midwest now, so you got a little bit I'm of wearing a hoodie in 70-degree weather right now. I honestly probably would, too, but we haven't turned on our air conditioning yet, so it's a little it's a little toasty up in here. Uh, in my, my apartment's ice cold right now. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, But then... You know, we kind of see Loki again. We're before he interrogates Bob Taylor. I skipped over, you know, some impactful scenes. One of the scenes that was most impactful, like one of the scenes that I thought was done well, and it's a very looked over scene, though, is when Loki's kind of following Keller's character around. He follows him to a liquor store, which is where Keller has been parking to avoid, you know, anyone tracking him. He like buys a bottle and he's like, I've been sober for eight years now or 15 years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, now seems like the time to pick it back up. Uh, I mean, then like the rest of the dialogue and that entire scene, you know, where he Loki again, he's like, sir, can you calm down? He goes, my daughter been missing for two days. How about you fucking find her and stop questioning me? It, it, it's not even like a, cop to a civilian at that point it's literally just man to man like yeah keller's done with the bullshit well it but that's the whole thing too though is like keller this entire movie has not trusted loki a detective who has proven himself obviously never lost a case never you know not figured something out like he should be who your trust is in but like we've said we understand we we can't even fathom being in the shoes that keller is put into this movie I hope we never have to. 
Uh, but yeah, so those that entire scene of dialogue, though, where you, like you said, it's a man-to-man conversation, not cop to civilian, was done very, very well. Uh, but then, obviously, we like flash forward, and Keller actually figures it out prior to Loki. But, you know, we get to the house and everything, and then we realize that, oh, wait, no, I'm getting way ahead of myself. Back to Bob Taylor. Loki has to call in Franklin, his uh, wife, who's played by Viola Davis, Nancy, and then he brings in Grace and Keller right after them. And they have to go through pictures of every single piece of clothing that Loki found at Bob Taylor's house to see if it belonged to their daughter. And it is su- like one of the most heartbreaking scenes after seeing even... them flip through everything and they just find a picture of a sock and they're like, that's our daughter's. It's, it's covered in blood, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say the majority of it is covered in blood. Yeah. it It's such a heartbreaking scene. Um, so, you know, we move on past that. Keller finally figures out that this entire time it's actually been Alex's mom. And well, it was probably Alex's dad at one point who we can connect, who we then can connect the dots back to the priest's house, who was the dead guy in the basement wearing the maze necklace. Mm -hmm. So we see Keller at the house and then she obviously has the upper hand because she has his daughter. And then she makes him drink this, you know, liquid. I don't really know what it is, but it's a sedative of sorts. And then, you know, so he obviously loses control. He has to drink more than like, you know, kids would because he's a grown adult. And it she shoot she had shot him in the leg already prior to this. And we find out later that the car that was like randomly sitting in their front yard is actually when they move it has a hole underneath, which is where she kept the kids and Keller finds his daughter's red whistle that they had in the beginning of the movie in case anything were to go wrong. And then we see detective Loki so upset from his whole, you know, Bob Taylor incident where he killed himself. And now he's like losing the case because they're coming in on that window and he's loses his shit on his desk, which as much as I love Jake Gyllenhaal, it's almost a stereotype for him now to have like one screaming breakdown scene in all of his movies. Yeah. Does he have one in screaming? Does he have one in Jarhead? Like, I'm not thinking of it. Like I can't think of a screaming scene in Jarhead, but I'm thinking like he has the scene where he breaks down. He like points his rifle at another Marine, you know, and and then he has to, he probably does. Probably. We've seen that movie so many times. Like we literally watched that movie on my bachelor trip. <laughs> That's how much we love that movie. No, it was boot camp. He's writing on a chalkboard. Just like in slap. I'm okay. That's like a two I, second. Was, like, was, like I got lost on the way to college, sir. But like when I'm talking like Jake Gyllenhaal screaming scenes, I'm thinking like that scene where he breaks down in prisons, you know, fire all the drones from Spider-Man in Stronger, where he gets in the argument with his wife in the car or girlfriend. I forget. Mm -hmm. 
their relationship, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what I'm thinking okay. more for his breakdown scenes. Yeah, I don't know. So, oh, I mean, that doesn't matter. You know, this isn't a Jarhead episode. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, he's just sitting there. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's pretty much, he, he thinks he's lost at this point. It's his first case he's ever lost. And it's, you know, two little girls that got abducted. That's a hard case to lose. But then he looks down and he sees the maze. And he realizes, you know, it matched something at, you know, Alex's mom's house. And then it also matched the necklace of the dead guy in the priest's house. Um, So then he kind of connects the dots. One scene I meant to bring up and I forgot when he's first at um, Holly Jones house, Alex's mom, when Alex is missing, because obviously Keller has him and he's talking to her and he's looking through Alex's room. At one point, there's a toy RV and he sits it and he's like playing with it. And then he just rolls it across the dresser. Well, Denis and Roger Deakins both captured, wanted to capture this scene in particular that the RV lands right in front of Holly Jones in the background, foreshadowing that she's actually the villain and she was the one in the RV in the beginning. No shit. Yeah, it's such a subtle scene that like you would just overlook. But after a couple of rewatches, I was like, that RV didn't land there by itself, did it? Like, you know, like it was planned to land where it landed. And then, like, I, like, did some research, and yeah, it, so, if you just look at the scene, and I'll edit it in here, or, like, in a TikTok or something, but he's, like, sitting there, and then he rolls it, and it goes towards a picture of her that's right here on the desk that you saw when it was showing Loki from the back, but then the camera switches, Holly is kind of blurred in the background, so your main focus is on this RV, the RV rolls towards the picture of her, but lands right in front of her body in the background. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's such a nice, like, underlying foreshadow. But then, you know, obviously, Loki goes to confront her. And then he gets into her house and he sees that she is bent over Keller's daughter inside the house. And he obviously can't see it, but he's like, you know, show me both your hands, has gun drawn. And she's like injecting something into the daughter. Mm-hmm. But Loki doesn't know that. And he's like, show me your fucking hands. And she like turns around, grabs a gun and takes a shot at him and gets him in the head. But then he obviously shoots, kills her. I have that might be a top three scene for me in a movie ever of me personally feeling stressed of when he is driving her to the hospital with blood running down into his eye. And he like can't see Yeah, the adrenaline, too. Well, yeah. but we did. We did forget to mention the whole reason why Hugh Jackman's character even went to the mom's house. His buddy, his daughter was found first. Oh yeah. Franklin's daughter. Yeah. You're right. I did completely skip over that. Yes. Franklin's daughter really set Keller over his fucking edge. Cause he's like, where's my daughter? Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe we forgot to bring this up because that same time they're talking to Franklin's daughter in the hospital, obviously. And his daughter says to Keller, like, you were there. Why didn't you help me? Yeah. Yeah. 
and like and then like you know obviously the cops start chasing after keller and that's what leads him to holly's house kind mm-hmm. of fuck yeah good call way to keep me in check that's what the uh, uh, kind of guess thing is but yeah and then you know so we flashes forward like maybe the day later loki's mm-hmm. fixed up you know keller's family has been reunited with his daughter but obviously keller is still in the hole most likely like bleeding out and then obviously still loopy from the sedative well they're cleaning it up and they make the comment like it's going to take forever to get through this ground and figure stuff out you know it's everything's frozen because this takes place in the winter in pittsburgh which is notably cold well um where's it going this whistle yeah obviously and then we see like loki's like all right guys clean it up for the day we'll get back here and then he hears a whistle and he like stops you know doesn't think anything of it hears it again and then they stop he turns movie cuts to black do you think loki finds him or do you think keller died down there i think he finds him but it's too late I like that, yeah. I mean, with how good he is, I think he finds him. He probably he probably knows, and like he should. He, you obviously see how driven he is in this movie with how intense he takes everything, how passionate he is about solving cases. Like he might find him before it's too late. But I do think it's a little ironic, though, that Keller, a doomsday prepper, is now in an underground hole. Well, yeah, and I think that's you know. I think that was Denis' plan or the writer's plan. I forget his name, but yeah. And dude, I've heard people say like they want a sequel to this movie. I'm like, I don't. There isn't a sequel to have. Yeah. Like they're like, well, because everyone's like, oh, I want to know if he's alive or not. I'm like, I don't. I was like this. It's such a good ending, you know, Mm -hmm. like. You know, you don't know what's happening next, so it's up for your interpretation of what you think will happen. That's the entire movie. Yeah. Well, the entire you movie never you're know going down. Next. You're in the entire movie. You're going down a rabbit hole that leads to nowhere. Mm-hmm. When, like I just talked about with the RV scene and the foreshadowing, everything did, like on a couple of rewatches, everything does kind of point to his mom, or is it his aunt? I, no, it's his aunt. I've been saying mom this whole time. It's his aunt. Um, well, actually, it isn't. Because remember, they talk about a kid that went missing like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. can lead to that he was actually adopted. Well, not adopted. Abducted. Ad- abducted. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously, she probably raised him, you know, to not be able to think on his own. Or... Maybe she gave him enough of that sedative. It did permanent brain damage. And that's why he has the IQ of a 10 year old. But like, you know, the more like after you rewatch it, you like realize he doesn't speak for himself. Like she speaks for him the entire time. And so like, it's almost kind of hinting that it's her and then the RV scene and every, or there's a few other scenes too. But yeah, overall, I mean, I absolutely adore this movie. I gave it a 9.7 out of 10. And also, I think Roger Deakins won an award for this, not an Oscar 
or a Golden Globe, but he did win an award for cinematography in this. But that's one of the things I love about this movie, though, is the lighting of it all. And like the weather Mm -hmm. that they add in it, like it's gloomy the entire movie. It's like very dark, like olive colored, almost or gray colored at times to, you know, never give you that sign of happiness. I think my favorite portion that was the lighting was the candlelit. Where you really like, you're there, you're like. There's no chance these girls are alive. Yeah. Well, and then like, you know, other scenes too, like the way they capture, like, you know, some of the shots where like it's Loki, like in the woods in the beginning when the RV crashes, he's just walking around with the flashlight or even in the basement with the flashlight. Like there's obviously a massive amount of space around him, Mm -hmm. but it's like just black and you can't see it except in the woods. Like you can see like shadows of trees, but nothing really else. So you're like only focus is on Loki and like the three feet of flashlight you can see in front of him. Yeah. No, it was words. <laughs> nah, the amount of times I rewatch this movie and every single time I just look at different perspective on how they could have done things. It was just, I don't think they could have. I think the way they did things, how they ended things should have been just that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So we'll wrap it up with some fun facts and then our draft. Uh, so prisoners at first, uh, what? No. Oh, okay. I got to text <laughs> prisoners at first. Um, what it almost starred Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg. I heard, I heard that. Yep. I don't. I don't think it would have been as good, just because of Mark Wahlberg. Christian Bale, I think, is a top five actor of all time. Mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg is a good actor, but he's not great. You know, he would have done the lovely bones, Dad. Uh, and then after writing the spec script, uh, many actors and directors entered and exited the project, including Christian Bale and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, also director Antoine Fuqua, uh, almost directed this movie. He's most known for, uh, directing the guilty, uh, equalizer Olympus has fallen Southpaw and training day. A lot of those movies have similar tones to this movie. So it could have been picked up by him and probably been still very good. Uh, the other one was Brian Singer, most notably known for Bohemian Rhapsody, Superman Returns, X-Men Apocalypse, and The Usual Suspects. Mm -hmm. And then also, when this uh, movie was first submitted to the MPAA, I don't know what it stands for, but it's like the people who rate movies, you know, G through NC-17 and shit. This movie had an NC-17 rating. So they had to cut out certain scenes in order to just make it an R movie. Because NC-17 movies also, for those who don't know, is kind of like death for movies at theaters because it doesn't go to nearly as many theaters. And also, it's a lot harder to find people who want to see an NC-17 movie than just a rated R movie. Yeah, because you you think that rating, you're like, there's going to be some fucked up things in that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I wonder if you know, in the original cut, if in Bob Taylor's, you know, crate, if he had, you know, like 
arms and limbs, maybe instead of clothes. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, shit. I looked up best NC-17 movies. I did not know, but did you know that the movie Casino is an NC-17 movie? Hmm. Anyway. Okay, so those are fun facts. Before our draft. I was going to say, I'm going to start on this fucking draft. I feel like it's... Man, I, have, I have a list, but I already know you know my list. We might go different. Now, do we want to say, like... You know how I said, like, you can take, like, 2002 um, Heath Ledger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I say if you take, like, 2002 Heath Ledger, like, I can't take, like, 2006 Heath Ledger, you know? I'm not even going to give dates. I'm just going to be like, if you just give me a Heath Ledger, I'm like, okay. That's fair. Because I can, I can picture him. Yeah. No, there's only, like, one guy I'm considering taking that I would need, like, the date. <laughs> okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> So we are kicking off today's draft, and it is going to be uh, best male celebrity heartthrobs. Oh god! Uh, Arsenal went first last week. He is still the guest on this, but I don't care. I'm going first this week. So much love. Okay. Who do I want first? Give me Channing Tatum. But in the shape he was in for the first Magic Mike. Yep. Yeah. I knew you were going to that one. Oh, for number one. I see. I want to take him number one. But I feel like he's not number one material. But I don't want you to have him. I'm going to take Titanic Leo. Oh, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. My number two, though, give me Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt. What the fucker? Okay. My number two, give me a Knight's Tale, Heath Ledger. Dude, that's my favorite comedy of all time. That's one of my favorites, for sure. I don't know how I am grabbing him in the third round. Give me Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. He was up there for me. Um, you know, I'm going to take Michael B. Jordan. Fuck, that's a good pick. If I had to pick an era of Michael B. Jordan, though, Black Panther... Okay, yeah. I was going to say Creed one, though. Yeah, that's good. I got like three or four. I'm in between. You know what? I got to get a DILF on this list. Yeah. Give me like 2016 George Clooney. Motherfucker. (laughs) Next pick. Dude, it's funny. So I said I have three or four. He didn't even cross my mind, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta get him. I was gonna say Ocean's Eleven. 
That would have been a good one. God. There's so many other people, too. Like between two right now. Give me first Captain America, Chris Evans. Okay. <laughs> See if it was me, I would have taken Infinity War, Chris Evans. I thought the beard, yeah. I thought about it, but I was like, that's when everyone was like, oh, fuck, he's huge. Yeah, that's fair. All right. My he's final good. pick. There's one I want to, and it would like probably secure my win, but I'll, I'm going to go with the one that I personally want. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Jensen Ackles. It best known uh, from Supernatural, Dean. Mm. Oh, yeah. Dude, also, before you take your final one, there's supposed to be a, um, new like live action Batman, you know, for James Gunn's DC universe that he's gonna make. I think Jensen Ackles should play Batman. <laughs> I think he would make a good Batman. Yeah. I mean I'm he's already he's voicing play. a rated R version of Batman for like a cartoon. And he's doing great. I think he would crush it. I mean his character in the boys is essentially Superman with a Batman atti- attitude. Dude, the boys is so good. That's good, yeah. Anyway. But my number five is going to be Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I forgot the fucking name of the movie. I had him. Crazy Stupid Love. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going to go La La Land Gosling. I thought about it, but I was like, they both wear suits. Yeah. That's fair. Well, some of my honorable mentions was uh like oh three oh four Paul Walker, mm, baby blue. Um, R.I.P. Uh, probably like I'll go. Actually, I'll go prisoners. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Uh, probably like. Logan or like earlier X-Men, Hugh Jackman. See, he was he was on my list, but I was just like there's like younger guys. Yeah. You could go Baywatch, Zach Efron. I was gonna say but you got George Clooney. He doesn't age. <laughs> yeah. I was also no. thinking Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I thought about Ragnarok Hemsworth. Yep. I was also thinking Idris Elba. Oh, good looking dude. Mm. Act the act yeah, accent too. There is another one too. I can't think of his fucking name. Oh, now you already got Brad Pitt. What was his fucking name? Oh, we could have gone Jamie Fox. I thought about it. I was also thinking. Uh, I want to say Daniel Craig. He's not everybody's pick, but I can see it. James Bond. I don't hate it. I mean, dude, you could go. No, never mind. Honestly, 
honestly, Godfather. So what is that? 1975, I think that came out. Mm -hmm. Al Pacino. Yeah, <laughs> that was a stretch. But I'm thinking of somebody. Uh, and I know a lot of people are going to be Richard here. Okay. Older 90s movies. Dude was the George Clooney. I'm so I'm still pissed you took fucking George Clooney, Silver Fox. I saw my opportunity. I took Heath Ledger from you. You took well, fine. I would say you won that draft, though. I I honestly probably would have gone Brokeback Mountain era Heath Ledger. You could have also done that with Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I think I think Gyllenhaal's gotten better with age. Mm, fair. All right. Well, that is a wrap on this episode. Can't wait for those comments. Any final goodbyes, Arsenal? Um, yeah, if you'd like to watch the whole clip before commenting on something that's in the clip, it'd be wonderful so you don't have to waste my time. And I like to argue. All right. Well, in case we don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Go home.